Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. In the words of mostly me, how are you going to pass up Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever, the director's cut? It's the most insane sequel ever made. It's banned in over 26 countries. <laughs> that was either Daryl or Dane? Yeah, one of those two. The D&D boys. The D&D boys. Yeah, I don't remember which one. I couldn't tell from looking at the wiki list. Um, in the actual movie, they're talking about Bride of the Cannibals 2, of course. Yeah, speaking of lists of letters and groups of boys, the TMAO boys... <laughs> are doing something that's never been done before. Corey and I are butt naked. Which I've never gone all the way for on a podcast. I usually stop somewhere around like the socks. Mm. Um, does that does that mean like socks come go last? Yeah. Like you're naked except for the socks? It's for circulation, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, then we do uh, good podcasting. It gets the podcast blood flowing. Yeah. Um, but not only that, not only are we completely naked, we're in the same room. Yes. Uh, we're looking directly into each other's eyes. Because if we were to look any lower, that would be gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we made it a challenge. Or if you look, at, like there is a table, but like if you even glance, um, there's like a little laser pointer that goes off and it does make you gay <laughs> That's right. so you know we're playing a dangerous game i i i got glanced by the laser so i'm already <laughs> like halfway there <laughs> when i was setting it up so you know i need to really be careful that's right um and you know we have been meeting to podcast in person for a long time uh but uh fate decided it would happen now that's right. It forced our hand. Yeah, this was not the plan. No, no. It was the plan in the abstract sense in that you always had the technology to do it in person. And so mm -hmm. we flirted with it, but it might have never happened, Corey. We've been sleeping on it for way too long. No, I mean, we started as a remote podcast when we lived in the same town and went to a lot of the same places. That's and right. We are actually at the kitchen table that Corey has podcasted from while I was up one flight of stairs in the same house in my bedroom because we couldn't make it work <laughs> that's right so we've been in the same house podcasting but never been looking into each other's eyes no and never this close to a laser which i think <laughs> is a right. new kind of like <laughs> threat that i wasn't really expecting yeah uh the reason for this is because this house has not had electrical power in five days and right. counting right so uh i don't know if y'all have heard of this thing called the internet but i don't have access to it at all and that makes doing a podcast hard. Mm. Um, it also made it hard for Mitch to get here, uh, which is why you're not hearing his lovely voice. As a matter of fact, he got lost at sea trying to find us to record. Your house, the address. Because he didn't have Google Maps. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So he's currently lost at sea. Tokyo drifting on he's, a boat. Yeah, he's Tokyo drifting over the wake and the waves. He's probably got some cabin fever. He may well have cabin fever because they have cabins on a boat. That's right. You know, it might even be a spring fever based on the time of year right now. Everybody's favorite Lonely Island song, Cabins on a Boat. <laughs> um, and anyway, like this is just, it's such a unique feeling doing this this way. It feels very professional. At it like, does at feel a little bit more professional. I don't know if it sounds any better. This room isn't soundproof. We're next to a window because if there's no natural light, we're going to be cavemen. Yeah. Uh, just like staring into the dark. Um, except for the laser so i don't really know like how 
if it reads that we're in the same room but like for us this is a very kind of different thing it is and we don't even have laptops open normally no. you know Corey's in front of his computer i imagine i've never yeah. seen him i've and, got two big screens and open. i'm in front of my laptop and so i have that to look at but we're just looking at each other and we're just gonna fire off the dome yeah so because i actually had to go to liam's house for internet hospitality and sit in his like main room and watch the movie because i couldn't watch it any other way that's right just and then like we an came hour here ago. because there's no other way to record um this and is, this is how they made podcasts back in the 1960s yeah this is like when uh when henry ford was doing it on the assembly line this is how they were doing it that's right um you just put like syllables all in a row yeah and you strung together like uh terrible terrible shows <laughs> but um i don't know like fucking whatever what are they talking about back then like bread bread i mean if it was henry ford they'd probably talk about cars right that's the car guy war bonds yeah were um, they talking about cars though was it even a car yet like dirigibles like automobiles i don't know you'd know better than i would i don't think they were really like i don't know if anybody at ford was like podcasting on a conveyor belt to gas up the model t they would have maybe had like an i love lucy podcast oh you know what i bet you know what it hated up. it was a it was an <laughs> it was an anti-horse podcast <laughs> because they were creating cars which were gonna get horses off the right. road right it had a <laughs> political purpose yeah it was propaganda it was anti-horse propaganda which frankly i won't stand for nor will i no this not in this house tmao pro pro horse yeah if you're not pro horse get the fuck out <laughs> that's why mitch isn't here mitch hates horses mitch, fucking ha- mitch looked at a horse once he spit in the ground he said <laughs> he said i would never ride that beast's back not into battle not to my own bed and i said get the fuck out that's of here. right we even offered mitch a horse that knew Corey's address that could have ridden him to here. Take and, and him he here. said he said no i'm gonna do it by the boat. pony express and he's like now nah, i'm gonna saddle up on the high seas yeah and you know who made a Look mistake today the dead guy mitch, mitch. Well, he might be alive. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah. I also usually make pretty extensive notes, both on the movie and on everybody else, which I haven't been able to do on account yeah. of the literal natural disaster. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is the point where I'm going to turn it over to you. And okay. uh, we've talked about cabin fever before a little bit, but just as I guess as a baseline, just tee up like your history with it, get people back up to speed. Sure. Yeah. You're a cabin fever guy. I do. I'm a cabin fever guy, particularly that first movie. Um, cause at this point it's like a, a franchise that has four movies in it, I guess. Um, but cabin fever came out in like 2002, 2003. It's one of the first horror movies I remember catching a glimpse of. Um, it would have been after I saw, you know, Carrie and an American werewolf in London, which I bring up oh so often. But Cabin Fever, my parents were watching it on TV in like 2003, and it was the scene where um, Jeff is having sex with his girlfriend, and she like sticks something up his ass. And I was like, oh, this is what adult movies are like. This is wild. <laughs> this is why they call them that. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was immediately intrigued, and it played a lot on TV in like the mid 2000s. So I caught it on TV probably a couple years later. I really loved it. Uh, it just has a lot of outlandish gore, but also um, has uh, like cool college characters Rider who I related Strong. to. Yeah, the dude from Boy Meets World, and I love Boy Meets World. Um, so I would rent the DVD from my local video store a lot, and I would just like bring friends over. We would watch it. We would watch all the special features, and it's just grown to be one of my all-time favorite horror movies. I just love that it's it's like a kitchen sink movie where uh, it was Eli Roth's first movie, and he made it like he was never going to make another movie, and so that's why I love it. 
Um, and Cabin Fever 2, which we're going to talk about today, um, I would have been about 11 or 12 years old when it was first announced in like 2007, 2008. And I was so excited for it. I remember telling my dad in like the summer of 2008, I said, dad, two movies are supposed to come out this summer, Cabin Fever 2 and The Warriors remake. And we're going to go see them in the theater. And your dad was like, (laughs) my dad was probably like, those movies are never going to come he was half right. <laughs> he also glanced at the laser. It just—it was a different laser. It did a different thing. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. Cabin Fever 2 didn't come out until 2009, direct to DVD. The Warriors remake has still never been made. But in, in That's two- what we think. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they made it. They keep it in a secret lab. <laughs> Lost media. It's going to be the last movie ever released. Yeah, That's like when the day it. comes, like Jesus is going to come down yeah. from wherever he's at, like Napa Valley or whatever. And he's going to be like, hey, I taught you all of these great things. It's weird seeing you watch me construct the bit in my head before I say it. Um, (laughs) I've shown you all of these great things. You followed my teaching so well. There was one thing I was hoping you guys could do for me, which was get me a remake of The Warriors. (laughs) And we'll go, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord and Savior. We bring the good news this time, and we'll show him the remake of the Warriors. Right. So we're saving the Warriors for Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm, st- I'm still waiting the, on that one. That's what the one. disciples used to be called before they had to do a rebrand to save face. <laughs> but Cabin Fever 2, we, we just saved for 2009. Um, and I found it at the same video store that I would rent Cabin Fever from. It was... Uh, the, the video store was closing down, and they were having, like, a big blowout uh, sale. And so I bought Cabin Fever 2 on DVD. I was so excited for it. A sequel to the movie I love so much. I don't know if I knew that it wasn't made by Eli Roth or whatever, but... Um I was just so excited to see it, and I watched it, and because I had it on DVD, I watched it again and again. Um, I've since lost the DVD. It's not in my collection right now, so I bet you I haven't seen this movie in, like, maybe, like, 12 years. Maybe, like, 2010 would have been the first time I saw it. Wow. So so I watched it a bunch over that year period, and I have memories of seeing it with a bunch of different friends, and... um, I didn't even realize until watching it again the other day how much I must have seen it because I remembered big things about this movie, but also as the movie was going on, there was stuff I hadn't thought of in like 12 years. But as it happened, I was like, oh yeah, this. Like I, re- yeah, I like remember this so immediately. Well. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, so I, I wanted to watch it uh, with you because uh, it has the attachment to Cabin Fever because I have the attachment to Cabin Fever 2 and also because it is one of these horror sequels that really doesn't get talked about all that much. No, it's a... Uh, I feel like it's... It came out at the exact moment for a horror movie to come out and never be talked about again. Yeah, yeah. Like, even the good ones yeah. are just like... They all fell in a hole somewhere. Yeah. I feel like there is just like a lapse... And I'm sure, like, not only that, but the title at first glance probably doesn't sell a lot of people into giving it a lot of consideration when it's like, okay, so you made Cabin Fever 2, whatever spring fever means, and it's at a prom. Okay. Yeah. And I I could see the, like, I could understand why somebody might be fairly dismissive of it fairly quickly. Um, I certainly didn't know anything about it. Um, before now i only really have any attachment to 
attachment to um, cabin fever at all because you show me cabin fever stuff. Right. That's really the only reason. Um, so I, I had never really bothered looking anything up or like seeking the information out for like, how do I learn more about uh, cabin fever too? Yeah. So this was, I was going in blind and I, I was the same boat for when we've done, uh, uh, or no, we watched that not for this. We watched Cabin Fever, the original by itself, but we also watched Cabin Fever 2016. We did. Yeah. But then, yeah, because I was getting confused in my head because we watched the remake and then we watched the original together shortly thereafter. Yes. And I was thinking of that. Right. But, um, yeah, so, uh, that's, that's my whole experience with Cabin Fever is already documented. (laughs) Like, it's just the podcasting stuff and watching it, um. Yeah, and I've I've uh, kind of joked around about Cabin Fever too. I don't know how much of it has been on the podcast, but I feel like I've in the, in the last few months in particular, I've been like, just wait for Cabin Fever too. Or like you and I both went to see X at separate yeah. times by Ty West, yeah. and I remember being like, it's no Cabin Fever yeah. too. And I, it's funny because I know we had that conversation, but I, I must have forgotten because I turned this movie on at your place. I was like, Ty West? Yeah, that's the thing. It's really (laughs) strange that Ty West directed this movie. And for anyone who doesn't know, Ty West is um, primarily a horror director. He's branched out a bit, but he has a few like cult favorite, kind of critically acclaimed horror movies, actually. The House of the Devil, which came out in 2009, the same year as Cabin Fever 2. Um, That one is talked about a lot. He's got a movie called The Innkeepers that came out a year after um he has a movie uh, he was in your next as an actor yeah. so he's kind of in that crew um he has a movie called the sacrament uh that that got some talk when that came out in like 2016 and then just this year he came out with a movie called x yeah a24 and that got a lot of attention x was interesting um because i found that the critical reaction was really like hot and cold and i don't know if it's like that for all of his movies but I feel like X, you either like adored it or you thought it was like complete bullshit. That was the like what I saw in like online reaction. Yeah, I think that tracks for his other movies, even though I'd say his other movies are very different than X. Like X is actually way more, I think, exciting and accessible than a lot of his other movies. Like you watched House of the Devil a few. Yeah, I didn't realize weeks I was ago. going to go. To, I was getting on a Ty West crash course, but in the last like three months, I've seen. Yeah. Um, the House of the Devil X in this now. And I will say, A, he is a very clear authorial stamp. I feel like you can turn on a movie and suspect it's Ty West without knowing it's him and then being right. Like, there's tells. But, um, yeah, just uh, catching up with all of his stuff now has been kind of weird. And um, it's crazy that this came out the same year as The House of the Devil. That's Because yeah. those feel like movies made at different points in somebody's career almost yeah and you're sort of right so what i was getting at is that like it's wild that this movie was directed by ty west who doesn't have that many movies i mean if i were to count them off the top of my head maybe he has like seven movies that he's directed or something um i will check in the last 17 years i will try to check we'll see how it goes yeah because his first movie was oh five it was called the roost and i think since then he's had about six or seven um and he's a he's a filmmaker who people really love and talk about a lot of his movies and so you would think that cabin fever 2 would get more attention but i've actually noticed that like because it's a ty west movie and those other movies movies he has are like behemoths in the horror genre the opposite happens no one talks about 
Cabin Fever 2. Yeah, I also just think that, you know, this is something that we come up against a lot when we talk about anything on this show, really, which is that I just don't think, even from, like, a notable director, like, uh, like let's consider the example of The French Connection 2, which I believe is John Frankenheimer, who's, like, a big deal dude. Like, who the fuck talks about The French Connection 2, right? Mm. Or like, even The Color of Money. Martin yeah, Scorsese. fucking Marty. Marty Scorsese. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, like, um, what's interesting about that is that I think people... Are, I almost wonder if people are more likely to brush it off with Ty West's name on it and Cabin Fever's name on it. Yeah. Because they'd be like, oh, well, like, I've seen him, quote, unquote, make good movies... Why do I want to see his like trial run that was some franchise horseshit yeah. early on? And I think a lot of movies that we cover have that reputation of like, well, why would I want to watch that movie? But the name has a two after it now or a five. Like they already did it well. And then this person has other movies. Yeah. Like I would imagine most people probably start at the house of the devil. If you're doing just the Ty West example and then move forward in time, like to his newer stuff. So, um, I, I can totally understand why this movie might fall through cracks or evidently has, right? Like, Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. It, it, that tracks for me as well because his movie, The Roost, that was in 05 that came out, uh, it would have been the one before this one. I haven't even seen that one. I got lucky with Cabin Fever 2 just because I'm a Cabin Fever fan. But if that weren't the case, I bet you I would just go House of the Devil onward. Yeah. Um, and another reason that this might be getting wrote off and, and people don't really know about it is because Ty West writes it off. So he does, the, like he doesn't like it or he doesn't he doesn't uh, he doesn't like it or at least he doesn't want to be associated with he it. doesn't want that to be like a calling card in his like. Well, it's it's actually like there's a story there. So this movie was shot in 2007. It wasn't supposed to come out in 2009. It Mm. happened before House of the Devil and all that. Um, Oh, I think I can guess where this is going. Yeah. So he got tapped to do this movie, write the script. He um, and he had a script that he loved. He he loved the casting he did. He um, really liked shooting the movie. So production went great. And he, uh, he, you know, the dialogue, that's all him. Um, and he said that like making the movie was actually one of his greatest film filming experiences. But after it was edited, um, the the company Lionsgate said, we don't like this. We got to change it. We want to do it this way. And he said, I don't want to I don't want to do it that way. Um, and uh, I think around that time, that's when he went off to go shoot House of the Devil. He shot it. Uh, Cabin Fever 2 was in limbo for a good long while, like a year or something. And, he, and um, then they reached out to him again and they were like, we're going to we're going to edit this movie. Are you going to be there for it? This is what we want to do. And like they're, they're essentially telling him, like, either you can be there or not, but we're doing it anyway. Yeah. And like, we're, we're going to do it the way we want to do it because yeah. you've already done it your way and, and we don't like it. And so he just he said, I'm good. You guys do it. I'm going to leave. And so um, he wanted his name to be taken off the movie and be given an Alan Smith credit okay which is like a he for, disowns it that hard yeah for people who don't know an alan smithy credit is like when someone doesn't want their name on a project and so alan smithy is like a anonymous uh placeholder name that is sometimes put on productions and because he wasn't in the director's guild they wouldn't let him do it 
And so oh. that's why his name is still on the project. But you don't he, get anonymity rights if you're not in the DGA. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all the editing um, and so a lot of how the movie comes across uh, is it, he's he's not into it. And, and so that's his so his quote that I've seen him say in a couple interviews is that if you like the movie, that's cool, but I can't take credit for it. And if you don't like it, then it's it's not my fault. That's so funny. What's interesting, though, is that as I was watching it, and I've only seen two of his other movies. But as I was watching it, like there were tells all over the place that it was a Ty West movie. I th- so I th- they kept a decent amount of it in. Like, I think they so too. Taken all of it out. And in fact, like there are interviews you can read where um, I don't remember the exact title, but like someone who works at Lionsgate, a producer of some sort, was yeah. saying that like we took Ty's notes and like we still we want this to yeah. be How his movie. How many of the directors are doing fucking shape wipes? Yeah, like, <laughs> that, exactly. They use that exa- as an example. They were like, we use the shape wipes that he wanted to do. Um, the it's like it's all his dialogue, the it's set got pieces, the on it, the the animated sequence, the you know the credit yeah. sequence. That's him. Um, they totally reshot the very end with the stripper. Okay, that's that wasn't him. But um, you know, they said that we we tried to edit it like. He would have done it and then in another interview Ty West fires back and says, you know, um, even if they kind of took true, my, I did edit it. And e- well, even if they took my notes um, and like thought they were doing what I would have done, 90% of the time, it's not what I would have done. Right. Because he, the way he described it was like, you can write a joke and film a joke and the joke delivery on camera is exactly as you wanted it. And, th- and that's the case because he was there throughout like the all the IR production. The but the editing makes it totally different. And he just says, he, pay- he saw the movie as like a John waters-esque black comedy yeah and he says that like the editing would have been a big thing in in the in the comedic sense and just basically all the way through it's just like not the choices he would have made that's interesting so um he hasn't uh, he's hasn't really promoted this movie in the last uh 13 years like all these quotes are from around the time of house of the devil because he had this big movie coming out and interviewers were just like what's the deal with cabin fever 2 that just came out and so he would talk about it but did lionsgate put it out just because they knew like his name was going to be out there because like probably yeah he had a movie coming out yeah um and so i haven't really found anything recently of him talking about it i would love it he was on mick garris's podcast recently it's a great podcast and um like halfway through the interview i i remember actually i told you he was on the podcast and i said they better talk about cabin fever too and halfway through the interview mick garris mentions cabin fever too and he's like we're gonna we're gonna get to that i want to know all about that and then I'm watching the podcast timer elapse. It's getting close to the end. I'm like, they better they bring up Cabin to Fever too quick. And they don't get to Fuck. it. I was so cheesed. Man, we got to get him on here so we can really hold his feet to the fire on yeah. Cabin Fever 2. Um, but yeah, so all that being said, it's a really interesting movie to watch and talk about just because um, it it kind of shows like how uh how big the divide can be between shooting a movie and planning out a movie isn't everything it can also be in the editing um and uh it's just it's a really interesting movie it's also funny just how uh the final product if you don't know the story you just assume it's what the director intended yeah <laughs> like yeah you never know what's going on behind the yeah, scenes with I mean, any movie naturally had uh ty been in the edit suite the movie would have been about 40 minutes longer because everything would have taken longer yeah <laughs> yeah it is a brisk movie yeah but um i'll do a quick cast read here i don't have my usual notes on everything else but i did manage to get my phone to pull up a list of names okay so i'll do that 
Uh, we've got uh, Noah Segan or Sagan, maybe. Yes, as I, John. I love him. He, he's great. Yeah, he's awesome. You liked him in the movie? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, he's, the whole cast is like whoever cast this movie, like. Yeah, and and that's Ty that, and that's Ty West. Like he was saying, I got the cast I wanted. You know, um, yeah. Noah Segan is awesome. He's in a lot of Ryan Johnson movies, like Brick and Looper. He's also in a really great horror movie from the like early. I think it's from like 2014. I think I know what you're about uh, to say. Starry Eyes. <laughs> he's in that, and it's he's he's awesome in that. Um, and I think he's gonna be in another Ryan Johnson movie soon. I think did, that was announced. Do you think Ryan Johnson put him in Star Wars? I don't know. Maybe he was like a stormtrooper. Yeah, maybe they snuck him in there. Yeah, I don't know. My Ryan Johnson knowledge ends at Star Wars. Yeah, um, and then we've got Rusty Kelly, who's playing his best friend. Right. That's um, like the, Alex. Uh, that's like the uh, Seth super bad character. Yeah, he sorta. didn't do a ton. That's kind of surprising. Yeah, I like him. I don't recognize him. I think he's really good, especially like the comedic stuff. Like, yeah, he, he could have been in a super bad style movie, and yeah, like that leans that way more than this does yeah because this has the touches of it yeah but like and really like done a good job i think so too yeah like um it might have sound like it might sound like i when i say like the seth super bad character it's a pejorative but it actually isn't like i could i could easily see him like having done the jonah hill part in super bad and being funny which isn't easy because a lot of teen movies came out around like 2008 with jonah hill style characters and they weren't funny yeah they couldn't do it i think he's good i agree um and then we've got uh giuseppe andrews love him as party man <laughs> yeah so he is one of two returning characters from the original cabin fever he plays the cop and or winston like, yeah. just to be clear <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um i don't know if i've seen him in anything other than the cabin fever movies but he's maybe my favorite part of the original cabin fever. he was built to be in those if nothing else yeah and he's he kills it I love there him. is a movie called giuseppe makes a movie yeah i've been wanting be to see that see. yeah i haven't seen it but i've been wanting i think that's directed by like uh like adam Ar- arkin or some name adam like rifkin that. adam rifkin yeah. giuseppe andrews has made 30 independent movies at his mobile home and has two days to complete his latest feature that's amazing interesting um and then we've got um alexi wasser maybe vasser i don't know mm. as cassie yeah i didn't recognize her no a lot of this cast was like uh not uh, I was not aware of them. We've got Mark Center as Mark. Right. He was in Starry Eyes. Also in Starry Eyes? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Starry Eyes cast fucking came to party, dude. Yeah. Shit. I got to watch Starry Eyes. I know you've told me to multiple times, but like. Yeah, you would like it, I think. Yeah. It has uh, Alex Esso, who played Why the. Why do I know who that is? Um, she played um, the. Uh, oh, what's the name of the shining actress? Shelley Duvall. She played the Shelley Duvall in part Dr. in Dr. Sleep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and she's good in that. Yeah, yeah, really good. She's a great actress. Uh, we've got uh, Mark uh, Borchart. Oh, dude. Herman. I was hoping Mitch would be on this episode so we could talk about him. Mark Borchardt is uh, he's the main figure in one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a documentary called American Movie. Yeah, I've heard of it. I oh. haven't seen it he he is amazing just like so charismatic and interesting and so it's really cool to see him in an acting role yeah and then uh we've got judah friedlander uh michael bowen or judah friedlander is the guy at the plant he's the night guard 
Yeah, I recognize him too. I don't know where exactly. He might have been in uh, the Toolbox Murders by Toby Hooper, but I'm not sure. He's in Zoolander, apparently. Mm. Who knows? Uh, my phone isn't loading very fast, so I'm going to stop checking these for everybody. It was worth a shot. Uh, but we've got That's Michael the- Bowen as the principal. Right. Uh, Alexander Isaiah Thomas as Dane, <laughs> who I believe is the child one. The child, yeah, the 12 year old. Um, Larry Fessenden. That's a name I feel like has been on the podcast before. Yeah. So he's like a just a really prolific indie horror movie figure. Um, he just yeah. shows up in a lot of these younger people's horror movies. And also he's a director like, of horror like movies he, himself. Oh. Oh, uh, he's in the House of the Devil as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's he's just friends with all these people, and he also writes. And he's in the Innkeepers. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm trying to see what I thought might have been the TMAO connection, because I thought I recognized his name from that, but I don't. Also, speaking of people who just show up in movies, and it's always exciting. Have we done any Barbara Crampton movies yet on this show? I don't because she's in a lot of horror movies. I was just wondering. If we, so. I was wondering if we had ticked that box yet. Cause she's cool. no, because she didn't show up in Bride of Reanimator. Right, but she's in the original. Yeah, she's also in a Larry Fessenden movie called We Are Still Here, but yeah. it's not a sequel, so we couldn't. Do Isn't that. she in From Beyond also? Which is also not the Bride of Reanimator movie. Yeah, probably because that's also <laughs> by yeah. the dude who did Reanimator. Yeah. Uh, let me rattle through the rest of these here. We've got um, Patrick Durham, Jonathan Sashar. Angela Oberer, Taylor Kowalski, Andrea Powell, April Turner, Thomas Blake Jr., Regan Deal, Lindsay Axelson, and Stephanie Drapo. There's one person you're forgetting. Is there? That was the list on Google. Ryder Strong, baby. Ryder Strong. Dude, okay, the funniest thing in this movie, maybe in the whole thing, is that the credits and like he's like the first name in the credits? Yeah, not only in the end For credits but footage, also right? the opening like, is credits. Is that the reason? No, like, it's it's that's that's new footage, but it's it just is? it's just not much. Mm. Yeah, so it picks up right at the end of Cabin Fever. At the end of Cabin Fever, um, Ryder Strong, who's the main character in Cabin Fever, um, he is passed out at a lake, and then at the beginning of Cabin Fever two, he wakes up at this lake with his face kind of already starting to decay yeah and so this is new footage he stumbles through the woods and then he gets hit by a bus and explodes yeah and that's dude hold that thought yeah really quick because i just want to say that is the best title card we've seen on this podcast it's up there it is a great title card because well, like, the effect is really good yeah so it's like the yeah, freeze, you, the freeze you, frame yeah. they get of the body exploding because to be clear dear listener his body pops like a balloon when this bus hits it it's hilarious the head shoots into the sky and like it's just like a blood pile yeah and it's a wide shot as yeah. you watch him stumble they into were the middle not, of the road they had confidence in how their effects looked and they wanted to show you them yeah it's like, great it's it's an awesome opening but man was 12 year old liam upset because I heard that he died. That I heard that he was returning, <laughs> oh, and then shit. I see that he's in the first scene, and he has top billing. His name appears before and he you dies. You know what that means? You so understand like, movies? Yeah, he's going to be the main character of Cabin Fever Two. He's going to go to this prom with his face all. He's going to like dis- haunt the prom like the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I thought he was going to be the savior. I kind of thought he was going to be what Winston sort of ended. Okay, up being. Um, but he gets hit by a bus. Um, so it's, I guess it's kind of the psycho thing, the scream thing. They just demolish him immediately. And honestly, I like that decision. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also just a really good effect. And then just to give the gist of this. So like, um, 
water at a water bottling plant is contaminated with like the ooze. What's <laughs> the ooze virus? The, the cabin fever. The cabin fever. And um, it gets shipped to a high school that's about to have its prom. So you have like the usual high school goof arounds and first loves and prom night intertwined with, oh no, everybody's catching a weird fucked up water virus. What do we do? And um, the there is an inscrutable government, military, paramilitary response to the virus appearing at the school, which is like armed gas-masked guards locking everybody in. So they have to try to escape in one piece from that. They're shooting on sight, too. They're shooting on fucking sight, dude. You're fucked. If you're in that (laughs) school, if you're in that school, one of three things is happening. You're having a bad time in a pool. You are getting shot by a mystery man, or you are puking blood to death. That's right. And if you're at a water plant... You're getting one line of dialogue out before you get annihilated. You get by not even the whole word either. Like, this is bullshit. Yeah. And yeah. then it's bullets. Yeah, that's the gist of it, though. That sounds good. Yeah. And then and then Winston from the first movie, this police officer. Party man. He, he, he is not at the prom. He's just looking to get out of Dodge. Yeah, he sees the writing on the wall. He knows what happened in the first movie. Yeah. And he sees that it's like, oh, it's gotten out. And he's like, I don't want to deal with this. I would rather leave. Yeah. So he's trying. He he does make people aware of the problem, if nothing else. If yeah. we have to benefit of the doubt him ever so slightly, he does tell one guy who was promptly murdered about the problem. <laughs> and yeah, and to tell people. Tell and to people, tell people that the water here is hero, bullshit. Toby. Yeah. Tell them the water is bullshit. You're going to get that sashimi pussy, Oh, man. my God. <laughs> and uh, then he just tries to leave. Um, two mixed results. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the tea up here. I uh, I know that you've been you've been hanging cabin fever team in front of me here a little bit. So I need to know if you were doing a bit or if you like this movie. So that is my question to you now. What do you think I've been doing? Oh, I think you like it. I think you wanted me to see it because you like it. Corey's right. Yeah. There's no like based on and also because like. You were in the room when I watched it, but you were so invested in my enjoyment that there was no way you didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, so... That would have been an incredible reveal, though, if you like the trick was like, I fucking hate this movie. Yeah, which part pissed you off the most <laughs> as you're watching it, Corey? Um, so when I saw this movie back when it was released, I was... First off, I was disappointed, not just by sean from boy meets world getting annihilated right at the beginning but also just because it feels so different than the first movie it's like more of a teen comedy which i'm on the record as loving but that's true um but you know it's not what you signed up for it's not yeah it's not what i signed up for it just it has a very different tone than the first movie the first movie also has a lot of black comedy in it but this one is just like a it, it it seems to treat the virus in like a much more facetious way whereas yeah. it seems like the and first movie passive way as well yeah like, yeah the the impetus for the drama here isn't the virus it's like interpersonal relationships and also there is a virus now whereas i feel like in the first movie there is that interpersonal tension but it's ratcheted up so severely on account of the virus not separate from it yeah yeah um and in the first movie no one actually dies from this virus you know the virus starts to get them and the tensions are rising so high that 
people start to die in different ways you know like one friend yeah, is this killing does feel another like a different virus whereas yeah in this movie the virus is killing people you get the virus quickly and you die like yeah <laughs> you puke blood and then they you show die you, they show you one picture of a textbook that just is the word incurable in like big letters and you're like yeah we know because we've watched everybody in this movie die who gets it yeah so it it, it just Poor felt bill he just wanted his fucking <laughs> pancakes he forgot how to breathe uh yeah so the movie felt different just in terms of concept and also i think as a kid i didn't i don't think i knew the the ty west stuff the first time i saw it but i do think the movie feels cut up and like it has some uh like it's kind of confused as to what it should be like it ends pretty abruptly there are some subplots that go nowhere whereas the first movie feels like uh it is like eli roth all the way through like it feels like he had like final cut he this was his movie and um uh warts and all whereas this movie doesn't have that i think because of some of the editing and just how how quickly the movie moves um yeah i i will say for as many ty west calling cards as i felt are here pacing is not one of them like it moves in a very different way than his movies tend to. Um, I did make a joke to you uh, as I was watching it that I was like, "It's yeah, I know it's a Ty West movie because it's been thirty minutes and nothing's happened," but um, it does ratchet up quite quickly. Whereas, like if you watch X or if you watch House of the Devil, like there are extensive stretches of those movies where, for want of a better phrase, like quote unquote, nothing is happening, and that's part of it. Whereas it feels like this movie didn't want to go that way. I'm sure that's part of what Lionsgate, if it was there, didn't want to do. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But then that being said, there are so many visual gags in this movie. Yeah, that it's totally different from the movies I'm mentioning. Yeah, because yeah. there's like no way you could save all that for like the last 10, 20 minutes, which <laughs> no, is what be, Ty West kind of likes to it's do It's kind sometimes. of his brand. Yeah. Um, but X has a lot of good visual gags, too. You give them kinda... Greta Gerwig eating pizza in the first 10. Oh. And you save all the horror stuff for the end. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So as a kid, I was just I was disappointed. It felt cheaper. You know, it has a much lower budget than the original Cabin Fever, and so I was just kind of I was just kind of unsettled and off put by it. But there was a lot of stuff that like stuck in my head and made me think, oh man, I kind of got to check this out again. And also, I had it on DVD, and so Digital back then video disc. it was like. Netflix uh, wasn't really a thing back then. Not that and I. And if knew it was, of. it was mailing you DVDs. Right, anyway. right. I might as well have got it from Netflix. So I ended up watching it a lot anyway. I would have friends over and we would watch it. Um, and I think I would always say like, you know, this movie, this movie sucks. This movie isn't Cabin Fever, but we should watch it anyway. And um, ringing endorsement from Liam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so time. in the ten years since I haven't since i last saw it um i've been thinking about it in my head and i've been thinking yo when i would watch that movie back in the day despite all the times i saw it and the stuff i liked in it i think i came away thinking that it sucked but i think i was immature in thinking that or my tastes have just changed because i would think back to like what kind of movie it is and the stuff that's in it and i was like 
this movie sounds awesome. Um, right. And so, like, even... And, and as you became a man, you realized... Yeah, yeah. And so, within the last year, I you even... You got hit with the cabin fever too, laser. <laughs> yeah. It was a slow burn, <laughs> much like Ty West movies. But I even went on Letterboxd within, like, the last year, and I rated the movie without having seen it again. Um, and... If you, I don't remember if I already had it rated. If I did, it would have been a low rating. Um, and if I didn't, then I, I just ratcheted up there and I gave it like four stars out of five. I was like, this. I bet this movie is sick. But in in my head and in wanting to see it for this podcast, I was like, am I going to watch this movie and it's actually not the thing I'm thinking I'll love? Like, will right. all this stuff pile up and it'll mostly be not really my thing? And I came away from it basically exactly how I thought I would, where, like, I love this movie because of how audacious and gross and, like, what a great party movie it is. No pun intended for the party man over there. But it is such a good party movie. I do think that there are things in it, particularly in the editing, that make it not the all-timer that it could be. So I I come away thinking it's like an 8 out of 10. Um, I understand people who don't like it that much. Um, But what I don't understand is people on Letterboxd um, or IMDb who are like, this movie is like a 1 out of 10. This is one of the worst movies. And you see so much of that. I'm reading the Letterboxd right now. I'm skimming it as you talk. These are... Scathing. This movie is getting its ass beat in the quote tweets. (laughs) Yeah, and I don't think it deserves that at all. I, I honestly don't know where that's coming from. I think that... This does have studio hands in it that make it... You got a good one over there? I'm watching Corey Chuckle yeah. in person. How hard is it to make a film better than Eli Roth, man? Too hard for Ty West, it seems. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of, that guy? That's, not, that's not my from, kind that's of guy. That's from a Letterboxd account called Otter. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, there, there's stuff in here where I understand people not loving it or or even like not really liking it all that much but there's just so much off the wall passionate stuff in this movie that would have came from the filming you know and 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 bad editing i don't think can really take that away like there's so much cool things in this movie and um the also the kind of slapdash way it's put together and the way that it's actually not all the way awesome to me kind of makes it a bit more awesome like House of the Devil was made to feel like a movie that takes place in, you know, the late 70s. This movie feels to me so much like a movie from the 80s, like a movie that is just like, yeah, not all that well put together. It's kind of messy. It's playing in a particular like wheelhouse on purpose, I think. Yeah. Um, Or at least that was his intent. (laughs) And I think that works. I think it's I think it's really charming. Um, And so, yes, I do. I do love this movie. Yeah, I do get the impression, and I find this with podcast movies fairly frequently, that if they're poorly received, I'm always like, if this had come out like 10 years earlier, 20 years earlier, but was functionally the same, people would treat it with like a reverence now. Oh, this movie would... If this came out in the 80s, people would be loving this People now. would love they this They might not movie. have loved it in the 80s, but they would people love would it People would love now. it now. Yeah. Yeah, and I know like there's nothing I can do about that, but... um. I was like, I was surprised at how much I liked this movie. Oh, yes. I don't think it's amazing or anything. Like, I've got some problems with it naturally, but like overall, I um, 
I was surprised that like some of the jokes were landing. You were laughing. I was laughing. The jokes that hit hit. Oh yeah. And um I was uh I was caught out at enjoying it as much as I did. And like there are also some stylistic flourishes that I just like. Like the like the fucking wipes and um those transitions. Uh actually I do think the animated bit sucks though. It's a very unappealing looking style yeah it fe- and it's communicating like all of the context to you yeah and i was just like it, it was it was a very off-putting way to start so i was like Bleh. i feel like it it feels like it it was done like a week before the movie had it to does be feel like they forgot like Lionsgate forgot that like they were following ty west notes and there yeah. was one right at the top that said animated credits and they were like fuck i like the first animated sequence better than the second one i think the first one you know it's it's communicating how the water got from the lake to the bottles and um then to the school and i think that that sort of has to be communicated i think it's cute shorthand to do it especially because the movie ends up being so comedic and i think that if that were if that same montage were shot live action it would just be less interesting to me yeah so i think the animation is cool there but i think the animated sequence at the end where it's just showing various people like interact with the virus yeah. i think that feels a it's lot also more implied, unnecessary yeah. um and i think too like i think that the trappings of the story are kind of boring because it's very like straight ahead high school stuff yeah um on the outside and i also think like i don't know i don't have a lot of patience for some of that like for want of a better word because this word doesn't mean a lot anymore but like w- our main character's framework for why he deserves attention from this girl is so deeply cringy mm-hmm. and just like short-sighted and bordering on like um like concern raising if you knew this person in real life like if this is how he's thinking about this he's a like Bleh. Yeah, um, yeah, he does he's owed it. It's the yeah, it's the whole like it's a very I'm, I'm a nice guy way of why thinking are you about not it. With me? Yeah. yeah, and it's like that doesn't read great now i'm sure it didn't at the time i mean people think like that but like i found that quality of the character annoying because it comes it's like a lot of the thrust of it of that like triangle between him and cassie and uh kung fu mark but um i think this movie i don't know there's just something about it that i just that i just like yeah so well you said that you like Noah Segan in this movie. I do. I think he's really good. So what do you what do you like there? Just his performance despite the characterization? Yeah, I, or do you like I, other aspects of his character? I think I like other aspects of it. I think he's carrying... Because they don't typecast the character as like he's just a nerd or he's just a blank. Like I feel like he's carrying... Like he's being given the runway to carry a lot of charisma in a way that like if he was just playing like the nerd who gets shoved in a locker he wouldn't be able to use it but i feel like he's charismatic on screen and like you're compelled to watch what he's doing and he's he something just clicked i just liked what he was doing um i don't know if there's a specific element to it that like helps crystallize why but i i found myself like Anytime he showed up, I was like, yeah, like I'm invested in what in what's happening here. Yeah, I like him, too. I really like the scene where he walks home with Cassie. I think it's the first time we're introduced to Cassie. This is the first time we see her on screen. Yeah. yeah and they're like talking about um, 
sort of like how they yeah, they're used like to hang out more bit, yeah. and uh, she, you know she asks him about his friend alex who she hasn't seen in a while and uh they um catch up on like what they're gonna do once school is over and stuff once they're graduated and i like that scene because um even though she we we already know that she's dating someone he doesn't like it it shows that like in high school people actually aren't as different as they seem in fact some people who who belong to different cliques would have been really close friends like three years earlier and something just happened where they're distant but if you actually like put those two people on a walk together and they were to just talk they're not actually all that different and so it feels like they're both just normal people he's not like a nerd and she's not a cool popular girl or something yeah well and then like and he ultimately gets like i'm loath to say rejected because it's a very casual no uh but like when he asked her to go to the prom initially but then in him just being like movies it is i guess like just yeah very just i like, like that yeah just, okay like i like it, it just creates like the character is compelling in that particular way of just like he just seems like a very approachable guy when he's not doing the incel speech and yeah um, and it really <laughs> is just the one speech i think yeah that like really just makes it like because like his friend is gassing him up more than he is but then when he when he lashes out at her like his rage isn't earned because she doesn't owe him anything so it's just like you're really mad but like chill the fuck out like yeah yeah she doesn't owe him anything i think his performance there is good yeah but like he's selling it and i yeah no there's just something very captivating about him on screen yeah i think that um alex the character the actor's named rusty um he is achieving a similar thing in like the opposite direction because like he's captivating on screen to me um but not because he's like approachably charismatic or something but he is nailing the friend like the high school archetype that he is being asked to do like your your friend who doesn't really like give a shit about anything and he's like focused on just like girls and like says school's fucking stupid and like likes to say bad words like and just doesn't give a shit. Like he's just like this aloof kid with great bits. Yeah. And I'm just like, he's just funny. He is funny. He's like really nailing it. Yeah, yeah. And I think they both feel pretty realistic. Um Yeah, and I believe that they're friends. Like Yeah. Yeah. Um it and it really is like the super bad thing. Like I think that's yeah. why people relate to super bad, because you can see yourself in those characters. I think that if they just changed a little bit of John's speech, John is the, the main character yeah. we're talking about who has possible incel vibes. Yeah, if it was less like I that. think he just has to say he he just they just have to cut out the part where he says, Why couldn't you be with me? Because I think his anger and frustration at this former friend, this person he cares about, is justified in that, like, he sees her being with this dude who being is mistreated. obviously yeah. mistreating her. And, like, he's, he's, he's a bully to him. You know, he's got violence issues. He's practicing violence in his garage <laughs> with karate. And so I think this idea of... He's practicing bowing in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of, like, why are you staying with this dude? You, you deserve better than that. I think that's fine it's when he says you, you should be with me instead yeah. that makes me like, sort of raise I'll my eyebrows personally fix it right like. yeah like there's um in in music and particularly in like rock music or pop punk music and a lot of pop music too there's there's a 
a songwriting trope that I hate. That's a song about how you're writing about someone who will never find anyone better than you. And, yeah. And it, like you're and, valorizing yourself. Yeah. And like a lot of times it's you're with someone else, but uh, they're not, they're, they're, they hold nothing to me. I'm way better. <laughs> right. I hate that. And there's uh, probably my favorite pop punk band of all time is a band called The Starting Line. They have a song called... That's a good name it's for a, great, a band. It's a great name. <laughs> they have a song called Saddest Girl Story from their first album. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just, just let me tell you. So the, the lead singer, um, when they recorded this album, the lead singer was like 16. So I bet he oh, wrote okay. this song way earlier than okay. that, right? So Literal Child. <laughs> literal Child. And so... He could have written something uh, that is along the lines of what I just said, and you'd be like, oh, he's a kid. But he actually goes the other way. The song is really empathetic, and the lyrics are about this girl who is with someone who is mistreating her, but he never says you should be with me instead. The, The lyrics are, you could have anyone so why would you be with this guy who is right. undeserving? Taking the red jumpsuit apparatus approach. That's it. Another great song. And so I just I love that idea, and I just wish they did that, where yeah. he he cares for her, and he's and he's frustrated uh, that she is with this dude because she deserves better. But it doesn't have to be you, you know. Yeah. She, if she's not into you, then she's not into you. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I but I think like those two lead performances are really good, and obviously part party. I'm just gonna keep calling him Party Man, but yeah, um, and, and he's, he's, not, awesome. he's not even the Party Man because in the original it. he he, just he calls it. Ryder Strong the Party Man, but, but Ryder Strong died, so he's taken on the mantle of Party Man. <laughs> That's right, <laughs> but um. He's awesome. He's amazing. Right? He needs to be in more movies. Like oh, everything he says is just so naturally put funny. Put him in the next Martin Scorsese movie. Dude, he would be great, dude. And he's just like he has this way of delivering lines and like the this way of moving. Would he ask that guy at the plant if he has more beer. Yeah. He's like, fuck yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like right before that, he's like frantic and he's like, "Where's that folder, dude? I need this folder. I gotta get it." And then the dude cracks a beer. He's like, "Oh man." He just stops what he's doing. <laughs> like all the urgency is completely sucked out of the room and he's just like you got any more beers back there <laughs> i like in the opening scene where sean gets hit by the sean. i'm gonna keep calling him sean where where sean hunter sean. where sean hunter gets hit by the bus and um on the way to boy meets world <laughs> <laughs> and on uh, a very special episode of boy meets world <laughs> Sean gets hit by a bus and explodes. I'm picturing, I'm picturing the freeze frame, but it's the Boy Meets World logo over top. And the uh, the Boy like s- the bus. season three theme hits where it's that bass slide. <laughs> <laughs> um, Winston, after Sean gets hit by the bus, Winston like confronts the bus driver yeah and he comforts him he's like he this, just this, this, he was just just a, this was just a deer man yeah uh, it was a moose <laughs> was and a like moose. this isn't even that bad you should have <laughs> seen it on the i-95 this lady hit a moose went straight through her windshield man <laughs> this is nothing yeah. you're fine and the bus driver uh, was like yeah and he's like just get these kids to school man it's fine. Yeah. And then the bus driver leaves it immediately. He finds a fucking shoe in a tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A shoe. And I think the foot is still the in it. The foot is very much still in the like, shoe. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah so that's like, just Okay. Great maybe stuff. it wasn't a moose. But yeah, I do also like that Party Man is like, 
wants the bus driver to be okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, he just nice. like he's this interesting character where like he he wants everyone else to be okay, but like he is also selfish. <laughs> he yeah. has that in the first movie too. I yeah. think the characterization in both movies is it's really genuinely accurate. interesting. Yeah, yeah. All um, the characters are really good. What do you think of the bully, Mark? I don't know. Um, I don't love it. I don't know why, though. Like, I don't have a good reason for you. I think just, like, he is kind of unhinged, though, in a way that's interesting. Yeah, like, like he, he's on a he very thin thread. And, like, the actor's very ready to go. Yeah. Like, I want to give a lot of credit to him for just being ready to just be like, I'm fucked up, man. Like, come at me. Yeah. Um, I think part of it is just like it feels very bland to be like, yeah, shitty boyfriend, whatever. Um, and I just I, I don't feel like we get enough of him. Yeah, to really I would like, like more sell too. it fully because they have one confrontation where he throws a dude into a classroom, presumably. Yep. And then we see him training. Yeah, and karate then, in his, in his, and then in his, we see him in front of a Japanese flag. <laughs> yeah, which is a little on the nose. Um, and then we see him at the prom, and then we see him trying to get into their hiding space, and that's it. So it's just sort of like, I don't know if it's it just it falls kind of flat despite his efforts because there's not a lot of it. Yeah, so you're just sort of like, okay. I think Cassie is in a similar boat. Not that like the actress is good. Um. I think she's doing a good job. And like you said, they had a very natural chemistry between her and uh, Noah Segan. But um, she, there's not all, we, we see her like once before like the virus prom starts. And that, that sort of boils everything down into very like horror movie. We're screaming and running around. So it's just sort of like, ah, I could have, I would have been interesting. I would have been curious to see what else um, you fit in there. But um. We just don't end up getting it, which is fine. Like the movie doesn't, the movie is short, but the way it's paced, I don't know where you would put it. The pacing's weird. Like it is weird. I think it needs more of an ending. I think that would help Cassie. Yeah, the movie does feel like it stops rather than it ends. Yeah. Like I noticed this time and around. Why does it detour to the fucking strip club? Yeah, that's, the ending of that's this movie, reshoots. This so. movie, the ending is just bad. Yeah. Like it it sucks the air out of the room a bit of the enjoyment of earlier parts of the movie. It does. It's it's a really strange epilogue that goes on for longer than I remembered it. Really too. long. It's like 10, 12 minutes of the ending. I swear to God. Like Yeah. And the whole bit is just to show that like the girl who didn't, who didn't go to the prom is, is like still has it. Yes. Yeah. Um I think it yeah, it needs more of an ending that isn't that. I noticed this time that Cassie says her reason for not going to the prom originally is that her brother is sick. sick. I would have liked for that to have paid off more. Um, maybe they end up like back at her house after they escape the prom to check on her brother and her brother is just like fucked and like yeah. maybe that could be your stinger. Yeah. Um, so I would have liked yeah, more of Yeah, if the escape's like successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And... Uh, I think the 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 party man uh, Winston he also doesn't have enough of an ending. Like Yo, his storyline, I like how it ends up meeting with Cassie's. But that, she, that, she gets that into feels his car. Like, like that's the middle of your third act. Yeah, not the end of it. I agree. Like yeah, yeah. They drive off and then it just it feels ends. like he gave up on writing the script. 
Yeah. Like, and he was just like, and then the virus. Yeah. I, I would be curious <laughs> to know if there was an original ending that wasn't that. Because I don't know why Lionsgate would think this is better, though. It's like, it's transparently worse than almost anything else you could try. Yeah. Like, like the only thing I can think of is if they thought the movie was too short and they didn't have any more ending footage. But I would find that hard to believe that the original intent was just for Cassie and Winston to drive off. Well, and if you think about his other movies, which I know like he had only just made House of the Devil, but think about the way that movie ends. The ending is very definitive, but that's also where all the ramp up happens. Like it escalates right at the end to something and then leaves you with, and then yeah hospital bed um yeah and i feel like the the movie sort of instead of doing a slow ramp up i'm doing hand gestures because we're in the same room and i don't know if they're helping communicate any of the things i'm I doing i take it i do this when i'm alone anyway yeah no i do i do too like whenever we're just doing it normally like i'm definitely doing a lot of this but um i feel like this movie instead of having like that smooth escalation it kind of has like an up and down where like you know you have like the the blowjob bit and then like the implications of that and then it kind of and then like the concern of the story kind of goes away and then it's like you have the diner and then it kind of goes away and then it starts the prom and then it goes away and then you detour with winston and then it comes back and like it doesn't smoothly because the prom also goes from like everything's fine to everyone's dead in like five minutes it feels like Mm -hmm. so it doesn't get a chance to like build the the i'm loath to say tension because it's a not really worried about making you scared but like it doesn't build the significance of the situation uh in one go which is sort of frustrating because you're like okay and yeah (laughs) and what's your payoff here yeah, and uh, that that sounds like an editing issue to me. Another editing issue, actually, I'd like to complain about. I know they needed to set up dead people in the pool, but uh, the scene with Rick and, uh, oh, God, Frederina, I think is her name, is really long for no reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, from when he sees her at the punch bowl through to them being dead in the pool, it takes, like, 15 minutes. And they do cut away from it, like, once, but that's so much time. And it's like, who fucking cares, man? <laughs> like, yeah, and it doesn't. You just needed to get a body in the pool. That's right. Yeah, because it's not like that scene has a big payoff that you're no, leading I, to. I'm honestly because I asked you in the room. I'm like, is this bullying? Because I kept thinking like the payoff that they're going to do is like a, oh, it's funny because she's overweight and he's not, and either he's lying or somebody will catch them and that will be the bit. And I was like gross but it was 2007 whatever and then i guess to my pleasant surprise that's not what the scene is but it makes you wonder even more why it's there because like you're telling us this about and i'm not saying like everything needs to be like sewn together like it's it's interesting knowing that like because you're playing with high school dynamics you have a conventionally popular person and a conventionally unpopular person that's not stopping them and it's like sure okay interesting but it's like you've dedicated a lot of time to it but these people were not important to the story that you're telling. So like, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, it's actually in a weird limbo state where it doesn't quite do either thing. Cause I think you missed a line. He was bullying her, 
because at he was yeah because okay after her tooth falls out and he's like get the fuck away from me yeah and he, i assume that was just on account of the tooth yeah then well then he says uh i bet my friends that you would be easy not that you would like bleed all over me or something okay i must have not caught and when they're in the classroom earlier she's like drawing a picture of him yeah and and they're laughing about it behind her yeah oh no yeah that is that that is them okay then yeah then they are okay then i'm pleasant surprise revoked yeah yeah (laughs) movie you've let me down um by doing the thing i thought you were doing um yeah. but, but yeah, e- either way it doesn't have and much that of a scene payoff. plays out in a really bizarre fashion just because it takes so long and then it's just like he is genuinely worried at the end and then for his troubles he just unceremoniously gets his neck broken on the side of a pool and dies which is a wicked moment though. it's a sick it makes me cringe it's a cool effect when he too. His like neck. it looks pretty cool yeah um yeah and I, I also don't really get it like her tooth falls out in the pool and then she just like loses the ability to swim. It looks like she fucking melts. Like. Yeah. Also, how does this virus work? And again, I know it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter at all. But like, does it make all your skin fall off your bones or does it make you puke blood or does it make your dick fall off or does it like, like what does it do? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's really not clear. And, and like, it doesn't matter because like the movie doesn't give a shit. You're not supposed to care, but it is just funny to think about like, what was the thought here? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of fun that this one throws. Yeah. It doesn't care. Cause in the first movie, it's just interesting because it does feel fairly well defined. Mm hmm what the stakes of the virus are so here's just like a fucking free-for-all clearly that was the intent if you're making like a uh roger waters a john waters ass if that was your goal then it wouldn't be concerned with that in the first place yeah i'd be curious how they handled the virus in the third one because there's a third one that takes place on a boat yeah we'll have to find out i wonder if they reel it back in yes yeah, reel it back in into the boat that's right. I wonder if they reel it into the real big boat fish boat. It takes place on like a deadliest catch type boat. <laughs> Dude, like really close quarters. Like you're on a bunk bed. Yeah. It's a five minute movie. Um, how do you feel about uh, like stylistically? Because the movie's got some unique pieces to that. I think it's pretty charming. Like I like the wipes um the wipes are fun even though i don't really get it like i don't think i've seen those in like other 80s movies like what are those from i think he well i mean he does them in like x too and he does oh, them does he? He, there are some wipes in it they're not as because this is like yeah this is like windows movie maker yeah, like diamond no, he wipe. does some wipes but um there are i think there's wipes in house of the devil okay i think he just likes he them. just likes the wipes um I, I like them i find them charming yeah me too they're a bit distracting in like a cinematic sense like an aesthetic sense of just like like you're saying where it's like usually when you're making that choice like even a wipe between shots like is meant to communicate something to you about like the relationship between those shots what does a star wipe tell i don't think he does one but like what does that tell me about the relationship between these shots i think it's just supposed to look interesting yeah and that's fine you're right it does most movies don't do that so i'm i'm interested um the movie has faux grain on it which i found a bit distracting because it's so clearly because it's not set in a time where there would really be a ton of grain like in the house of the devil i think it works that there's grain that probably wasn't that they added because it's set in like the early 80s Mm. so like i understand why it's there but here i found it kind of weird 
I didn't really notice the green, to it's, be honest. It's pretty slight, but yeah. it's there. Um, I like the time period this movie takes place in because it, it must be like 2003 since it takes place right after Cabin Fever. You know, So it's right. 2002, yeah. 2003, and at one point you see... Yeah, no cell phones. No cell phones, and John has like this wooden alarm, alarm clock, clock with a phone in yeah. it, and so I think I think that's kind of cool. It's like Napoleon Dynamite. It's very setting. Bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I like that decision. Um, I really like the song at the beginning of the movie. Right, is that the one that plays during the animation? Yeah, yeah, that song's good. Yeah, when that song that hit, song's just genuinely it good. awakened something in me. I was like, oh, I've heard this song so much, but I hadn't <laughs> thought of it in twelve years. Yeah. So I like the song too. I don't as much like the songs that play throughout the movie. No, the rest of it does not work at all. Actually, yeah, it's it's, it's distractingly. Uh, I like, can't imagine it's, that's it's what he wanted to do. Distractingly clashing. Yeah. With like what you're seeing on screen. Yeah. Which does make it a weird, like, how did this who made this decision? Um but Yeah, and then I, I don't care much for the stuff with like the side characters, like the teacher or the principal, like yeah. it all feels very whatever. Or like the prom queen being mad that it's not about her, it's just like okay. Yeah. You're yeah, like just setting people up to die. Yeah, there's enough of it that's just sort of bland where I'm like, eh. But like the stuff that I like is stuff that I feel like is genuinely quite good. It's a weird mixed bag. Like it's enough to make it enjoyable to watch generally, but I think you should probably brace yourself for like out of a hundred or one hour twenty five minute movie. I think maybe like thirty five or forty minutes of it are like capital G good. And then the rest of it has like flashes of interesting stuff, but it's just kind of eh. So remind me again, like what is the stuff that you really think is good? Yeah. Well, the ending's bad. For sure. The ending is just... Let's rule that out. It's easier to say what things are bad. We can rule it out. Um, Everything's I like our, like our, from the introduction of the students, like our core guys, like that first conversation that Alex and John have is like, just like... It's so funny. You have the quote right now. What does he say about that girl that walks by? Oh, yeah. He just he says, Sandy Taylor is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it's just like... Which means she's really attractive. Yeah, and it's like, we've all been in a halt. Like, you've said that to somebody. Yeah. It is and, just like, and Corey laughed at a line uh, that was like, they they walk past like two people who are just like <laughs> minding their own business. Girls are like only worried about revenge. They don't want right. anything else. And he says, and there's two girls just leaning up against the wall talking. He goes, we'll get these fucking savages. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. But like, I like that setup. And I'd say from there, I think it starts getting bogged down. Like just after the, we need to get out of the school starts. Mm. But that, chunk of teeing stuff up because that's where it's making it's writing checks it might not cash but you're compelled about where it might go like that window i think is the strongest part i think just to keep it tidy in my in my suggestion sure yeah i think i mostly agree with you though i probably extend what i like out a bit more at the end because yeah. basically there is all stuff the I like. visual gags and there are so many in this movie of just disgusting body horror. Oh my god. One of them I, I like, love it. I So I want to know like what stuck out to you in terms of the gore. Really struggled with the dick stuff. Oh dude that one that was the one that got me the most is when I was a kid. I would close my eyes to try to go to sleep and I would 
I'm going to say something really explicit here so that people know what happens here. Skip 20 seconds if you don't want to hear him say it. Yeah. Is that a bad enough time? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so earlier in the movie, this dude gets a blowjob in a bathroom stall uh, from someone who it turns out had the virus. And so he pulls down his pants later in the movie and his dick just already looks like kind of gross and like there's kind of blood on his hands and it looks sweaty and stuff. And then you just see thick, bloody pus ooze out of his dick his urethra i don't even want his, to look at you as you his say palm. this i would close okay I'm, I'm back you're, you're back if you <laughs> i would close my eyes when i was a kid to like go to sleep and i would see that in my head and just be like fuck like i can't sleep now yeah no it's gnarly it's an, a, an amazing effect <laughs> oh it looks yeah like it's really well executed and it's, yeah it's it's on at props to the editing it's on screen for like just enough time just where like, you're like what did i just so see? long that the audience is going to be like fuck you but long enough where you're like you are internalizing it yeah um all the blood puking is funny that's good basically all of it's funny like there is a one that, the one that made me laugh is there's like there's a shot where you see a guy standing in the foreground and there's a, a girl in the background and he ducks and blood comes from off screen and covers that girl and he stands back up and from the opposite side of the frame he gets covered in blood from somebody else yeah that feels like something from the original yeah that's, that's like that's a great. three stooges bit and yeah. like that's gonna be funny for him there's two kids making out and then one of them pukes blood into one mouth and then the other pukes blood into the opposite mouth yeah they're just they're basically <laughs> just like just puking blood they're just wringing the virus blood stuff for like all it's worth they're yeah. like we're in a high school how can we do this like i don't know if that makes sense like are those people like having one last kiss because they're like we're gonna die yeah. or have they just been making out so long they yeah. don't even know what's or going on or do they them? just also agree that it's funny to do that <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> which they might um the uh the hand cutting off thing didn't look too bad. It didn't look bad. Yeah. I think that the actual, the like framing of it could have been more interesting. Like if they had yeah. taken a page out of like Evil Dead 2013's book where like you see like blood like splashing under their face as like they're screaming and stuff. Yeah. Which they like kind of do. Yeah. But like they do it in a much sillier way. Yeah. And I also think that they were just doing it to emulate the texas chainsaw visual at the end of a girl covered in blood running out onto the road sure yeah good point like i think they were just like how do we cover cassie in blood and i think <laughs> it moves on from it too quick like you see it doesn't matter that he cut, cut his, his hand, hand off, off and then he's immediately like cauterizing it yeah. and so it makes it feel sort of montagey as opposed to like this giving you a chance like to dwell montages on the in it yeah um i will say but i do always think it's funny when it's like we're splattering these people with as much blood as possible because it's funny there's so much blood like, in this movie do you remember the pregnant woman or pregnant teenage girl i gross. guess dude and, oh and you see like the chunky blood drop <laughs> out between her legs that stuff like i think as much of a comedy as this movie is some of these visuals are like horrific it's really gross like, that is a horror scene yeah oh um you just reminded me because it's right after that but um i uh, i don't like the way they dispatch of the bully the bully gets a cool opportunity to smash somebody's head in with a fire extinguisher. Good effect. Amazing effect. I that forgot all so about good. that one. That blew me away. And then they, uh, she shoots him in the back of the head with a nail gun. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not even any gore. Yeah, you just kind of see his... You gotta blow that dude's head up. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I will actually... Oh, what I meant to say a second ago. Um, the hand cutting off reminded me of... Spoilers for House of the Devil when Greta Gerwig gets it and it's oh, just like yeah. unceremonious head explosion. It's like, we've seen a lot of blood, but that's the first time the movie goes, 
you're about to see a lot of blood. And okay. it just goes like, and just like really like cranks it up a bit. That's a and good point. It's not a direct parallel because you've seen a lot of gross shit up to this point. I think House of the Devil does it way better because it comes out of fucking nowhere in that yeah. movie. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, this has become a different kind of movie now. I think my House of the Devil moment, which is a great way to describe something, is the fire extinguisher part. Just because like... That's a better parallel, I think, because it comes out of nowhere. And we know that this bully is like unhinged. But and he's all, capable of murder. But he... And he, he like... He hits him once and it's just like... And then he just keeps going. And the way... I think the camera like pans down or it either cuts to being already down on the dude's face and then it pans up but anyway that one the framing of it is like perfect where you see him swinging the fire extinguisher you don't quite know like what part of the body he's hitting or like um and he starts with his fists and then he gets up and he goes and gets the fire extinguisher. so it's just so unnecessary i think it it makes him a threat yeah because he's not being let into the library right yeah, and then uh, somebody comes up behind him and like grabs him for a second. Yeah, and it's not clear what that person is trying to do, and he just starts fucking wailing on him. Yeah, and it's like for all we know, like that was not a threat. That was somebody just like getting his attention. Right? Exactly, he was just like so mad. Yeah, that- so it, it it feels so unnecessary, and the gore effect is just so good. Like I love in movies like heads being caved in just because. I can't fathom what that would look like. And so to see a movie do it and make me think like, oh, I bet that's it how might it be would that. look. Yeah. And it looks terrifying. Yeah. And also it just involves so much like terrifying aggression. The fact that someone could physically repeatedly do, it. do that. Like, you know, the person's... And not wince or be like, I should, probably shouldn't do that. Yeah. Like... So it's just terrifying. So that moment really got me. Um, and I think like that's one of those moments that like I wish was talked about more and i wish that this movie had a bit more of a reputation so that people could be like even if they were just like yo cabin fever 2 sucks but like that fire extinguisher scene yeah i think it's that good yeah i think cabin fever's problem reputationally aside from the fact that ty west doesn't like it which is like that's gonna bury it faster than anything else so putting that aside its biggest problem is that it has a lot of cool stuff that is also in other movies that people do talk about. So you'd have to come up with a very specific reason why somebody should seek it out, this exact version of it, right? Because it doesn't necessarily have a lot of things conceptually that aren't in other horror movies, but like you have to convince somebody of why the execution is worth seeking out. Yeah. And that's sometimes hard. Yeah. Especially with a franchise thing, especially with a sequel, people probably don't think needed to be made etc yeah so my pitch would be because i do think this movie is worth seeking out i think that this movie is like a incredible one-stop shop for a series of really good fun but often like scary and unsettling gore effects i think it's a really cool highlight reel and i also think it has a intriguing sense of humor throughout yeah and it's worth understating that like that's very present like uh party man goes to a diner to get pancakes that he's about to eat dry lucille i've been dreaming about your pancakes all day that's what all the young boys say (laughs) and um he's about to eat them dry first of all psycho but um this dude next to him starts choking and the woman who's with him immediately starts like praying and freaking out. 
and telling him that he needs to breathe, which is a funny thing to say to a choking person. Yeah. And But then he's clearly got, like, the virus, and he's got some kind of, like, tracheotomy hole kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a speaker. And blood starts shooting out of it, like, out of one of those Play-Doh things, like, in a bunch of strings, and it's so fucking funny. Yeah. Like, it... it somebody says that they've been like you're not supposed to do that and she's yeah like, and didn't you say that that one woman is like oh you're in trouble now yeah, she bill. Says, bill you're in trouble <laughs> and it's like as blood is like shooting like a fountain out of his neck and it's yeah. like yeah lady and then that's when party party man goes he looks at lucille and goes he knows like call 911 and it's like you're the cops yeah like what do you mean yeah but at, at that point i guess he's already decided he's, he's like quitting in, in the police force mode, right yeah because he, he then goes to the the water plant to yeah. uh get rid of any information that, that, he, that was he was involved ever a cop. yeah and they're the only people that have that for some reason yeah um oh man do we want to say the one line that that guy says there the night guard too I think so. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, what does he ask him? Oh, shit. Oh, he's like, it's an emergency, man. Like, you got to let me in here. Yeah. And then he says, like, what is it? I forget how it starts, but it's like, hey, man, she said she was 18. I always trust what children say. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he says something to, like, get into that, but it's so fucking funny. And um, that's the guy with party beers and um yep but like this movie just has enough moments in it where it's like you know some quality performances some good gore effects some funny bits there are far worse ways to spend like 80 minutes yeah like, yeah it's a short movie memorable characters like that that dude at the plant that he meets and then he gets his friend mark borchard to uh help him out and uh <laughs> there's that great moment where they uh they trick a cop to let them out of the city because they've set up like borders in, in the woods so that people can't drive away from the city. That's my favorite and, movie about all the different <laughs> horror movie monsters, borders in the woods. And and Mark Borchard's character, he like says to the cops, step into my office. And they step onto the side they of the road. They just walk to the side of the road, which is all hilarious because he's taking authority over his space, which is not his. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's just like, and the cop just walks with him. And then he goes to offer him some money. So he says, like, you know, how, how about this? Will this yeah. sweeten and he, the deal? And he, and he takes out his wallet and then he, like, drops it. And the, the cop bends to pick it up. And Mark Borchardt just drops the WWE <laughs> elbow on him. I know. After calling him Butterfinger. It's so funny, man. It's so and good. And so just, like, memorable characters like that. That, that pepper this movie that also has like gore that makes you go like oh shit yeah. a lot of the time yeah. or like little zingers that like make Corey bust out laughing like that sounds like there's a good enough time here. to me there's enough here yeah I like it's perfectly like for my money it's on the mostly enjoyable side of like middle of the road yeah like it's got enough going on that like if you've got a night and you're like with the boys and you like don't know what to do with it sure why not chance it on cabin fever too so why do you think that you could have no power for five days <laughs> yeah. so why do you think that like people have come down so hard on this movie we kind of got into it at the beginning i but. think what it comes down to is two things i think some people just don't have a high tolerance for this kind of thing so like like tonally so then it's like especially if it's like cheap and that they don't like cheap looking or lower budget looking and they don't think the script is great and they're just like fuck this this is stupid like they'll just check out. I think it's a lot of people maybe being a little bit snooty about 
where you can get better execution of these things in other places. Uh, I think part of it is going to be Ty West not liking it. And I think it's going to be that like, maybe it hasn't aged amazingly. I think, I don't know. I think you just got to go in with more of an open mind to this kind of thing. It's like, this was never going to be like a 10 out of 10 movie. It just wasn't going to be that. But like somebody put on a letterbox, I wish instead of watching this that I had died. And it's like, it is nowhere near that bad or that unpleasant to sit through. It's got some stupid shit in it. And like, it's stupid that they're like, oh yeah, we're making jokes about like how people look at over things they can't control. And it's like, yeah, that's stupid. And it's dumb to have it in your movie, but it's like, I just don't get how, is it a bit messy in terms of execution? Yes. But, um, this is an interesting letterbox review. Uh, wow, this was bad. It's not totally without entertainment value. They're saying that on a half star review. So they're acknowledging entertainment value while giving it half a star. However, it has to be one of the worst examples of trashy horror. It's so odd. Some shots looked decent. Others looked more like a student film has to be one of the worst horror movies I've seen. Hmm. What's the critique there? Yeah. And a lot of those sentences don't even seem to connect to each like, other. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like I can't fathom seeing one of the horse, worst horror movies you've ever seen and also thinking it has entertainment value and that some of the shots are good. I don't really care about this gross movie, but everything with Giuseppe Andrews and Mark Borchardt was worth the price of admission. Fair. What was the star rating on that one? It was a two. The review's also quite a bit longer than that, but... um, They're worth a two, at least. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people also just think it's gross and it's like I, yeah yeah it's just like I, I'm just surprised that the, the horror community online isn't more behind this movie like the people I follow who like love gross shit and, and trashy stuff I just don't really see them oh I, I think here this. here is a good description of it I think where a lot of people are coming from this is a really messy movie, both in terms of enjoyment and overall content. Some parts are pretty good, but then something drastically stupid or offensive will happen, and then you just kind of hate yourself, by which I mean you hate this movie. I'm not trying to be sad, though, so let's think about some other stuff, and then they list some positives. But it's like, I think just being like, it's messy, and the distracting stuff or the poorly aged stuff taking you out of it, and also if you think the effects are gross, totally fair reasons to not like it. And if that's where a lot of people are coming from, then I get why, if you feel like you're getting it better from other movies, why you wouldn't, like, this would not be your port of call, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. I guess I'm just at the this point... This has been a brief letterboxed review survey. <laughs> I'm just at the point where, like, a messy movie like that is, like, almost more appealing Also, to me. in my head, though, I'm just like, there are movies that, like, are so, so, so much messier than this. Yeah. And more gross and offensive and i'm just like i'm i'm most surprised at where people are drawing the line yeah because it's like i don't know in some ways this feels like less offensive than super bad right yeah like, yeah and, you and know people that, fucking love that right movie. and don't get me wrong much better movie but like yeah. i don't know like well, I'm glad to have you behind me on this movie. Yeah, it's not bad. Like, it's not amazing, but like, I'm not going to give it like a 10 out of 10 today, but it's like, if you want to watch it, you should. If you don't think it's for you, you're probably right. Right. Like, 
it is what it says on the box. Like, it is Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. Unrated. Sort of directed by Ty West. Yeah, I wonder if a director's cut could ever happen. We need to spearhead a cult following, just like we used to do in the old days. Yeah. Rage Carry 2 style. Yeah, that was all us. I don't know if anybody knows that, but... And eventually this is going to become a cult movie just like those movies from the 80s scream factory is going to put it out on blu-ray and at the very least i need a commentary track telling me what it would have been we need to make ty west watch this movie again yeah ty west it's not so bad and i am giving you the credit because the casting is good ty west think about it (laughs) yeah just think about it um yeah i think that about does it for me though yeah me too i think if you want to watch it you should and if you don't want to, don't. Like, do yourself the favor. Like, more than anything, if you don't think you'll like this, you are right. Yeah. It's what you think it is. It doesn't have a big twist that will make you think, oh, I'm intrigued. Right. But I think if you're on the fence and you're uncertain if you'll like it and you're like, give it a you're shot. into horror movies, give it a I shot. think you might be surprised. Give it a you shot. You might like it more than Hey, kid, than you come on, just give it a shot. Kid, hey. Hey, kid, hey. Kid. Hey. Kid, hey. Give it a shot. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the uh, dude who worked at the water plant said. Yeah. Um, Mitch isn't here, but before he left, he had the foresight to write down his pick. He put it in a bottle. And he sent it on the high seas. And... um, we're going to open that that note right now. Yeah, I'm looking around the room for props uh, to try to make the sound. Um, this isn't going to unfold like paper sounding, is it? No, this is like a cloth bag. Mitch, why'd you, why'd you write the note on a cloth bag? He, yeah, he was, he's a weird dude. <laughs> I just watched Kurt Corey unfurl this cloth bag in front of the microphone and it, like, it made no sound at all. And I just, and I just, I just chucked it on the table. Could not have gone worse. That was way better. It sounds like you put it in a cardboard envelope, but it's a box of cereal. I'm very tempted to start eating the cereal. Made good. I should start eating Mitch's note. <laughs> um, and he's written three words on this note. It's pretty, it's pretty shocking stuff. Cabin. Fever three. <laughs> Mitch, how do you know? He's not here. We can say his pick was anything we want. That's true. He's putting a lot of trust in He's us right now. Fucking lie. What would be a great movie to lie about? Cabin Fever three. Mitch? That's a good one. He doesn't want to watch that. Let's be honest with ourselves. But what we did uh, read on Mitch's uh, note, our dear, our dearly departed dude, is. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. To which I say, oh, okay. Uh, we had to Google this in the car on the way here because we didn't know what that was. I still mostly don't. No idea. Mitch so will have to tell us all about it. He'll have to tell us all about it. And uh, that will be next week. Hopefully on time. Hopefully in a lit room. Yeah, the We're sun is starting daylight. to go down. It's getting dark in here. <laughs> it's getting dark. Like, it's, it's difficult to overstate the degree to which um i'm not doing a bit and have genuinely had no power for five days and like we're sitting in a dark room doing a battery powered podcast this is the true tmao after dark this was oh you know what we could have said uh what's that what's the remake of force majeure called 
Oh, that's called a uh, downhill. Yeah, because force majeure has created these circumstances. Mm. Mm. That would be good. Mitch actually wrote downhill on his. He actually wrote <laughs> on the paper. That's all it says. <laughs> uh, I think he might have been dying when he wrote it. Um, I hope he wasn't, though, because we do need him to tell us what the, what the fuck Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is. That's right. Yeah. Um, no idea. I hope Ty West directed it and then took his name <laughs> off it. I hope he kept his name on it. Uh, but before we get there, I have to do one thing. Which is thank you, Liam, for coming back to the place you used to live to do this podcast. That's right. It's nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I see the cupboard uh, adorned with countless Granny Smith stickers. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to see that that's still living on. That's a historic site now, actually. We have to keep those illegally. <laughs> Canadian heritage moment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one of those minute commercials where it's just you eating an apple and sticking the sticker on that's it. cool. And it's just like a moment in history. I wonder what the last podcast I recorded here was before I had to dip. Ooh, I wish we knew. I remember very well recording the Cats podcast up in that room. Cats was an iconic moment. And that us. would have been just a couple months before pandemic hit. Yeah. Yeah, it was a January buzz. In a theater and everything. We paid money. We paid good, good hard-earned cash. Yeah, how can people say Cabin Fever 2 is the worst movie of all time when Cats exists? Um, if anyone wants to update the TMAO wiki with lore, it looks like the last podcast I recorded in this house was To All the Boys. P.S. I still love That's you. That's a funny one for to, to be the send off. Because right after that, it was The Wicker Man. And I remember watching that at my COVID house. And before that, it was The Invisible Man. Heaters. So yeah, To All the Boys. P.S. March 25th, 2020. You were a real one. <laughs> to all the boys, P.S. You were a real one. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the movie's called. Um, speaking of real ones, thank you all again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word, and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, everything else. That's just one digit as They Made Another One. You can reach us via email, which a uh, few of you do, but please send us emails. We would love to read them. If you want to send us emails, you can do that. TMAOpodcast at gmail.com. Corey will even use his data to read them. I will. have internet. Which is what I'm using right now. Uh, right. I We did Power Rangers in part because of an email from a listener that recommended we do it. And Corey so, and I had a great time. So if you want it to be more likely that we watch something, ask us and it becomes more likely. That's right. Um, TMAO podcast at gmail.com. Recommendations for future episodes. Yep. Questions. Yep. Comments. Yep. Your favorite food. You could tell us your favorite food if you want. What's yours? Fuck, I really set myself up here. I wasn't. You want me to say mine and save you some time? Yeah. Rice Krispie Squares. That's your favorite food? Yeah. Like of all foods? Like not just snack? Like, those aren't a meal, is more what I'm getting at. Oh, like, what's my favorite meal? Well, no, I did say food, so I guess it's a food. I guess I'm, I had uh, built-in expectations of what that question meant, but if the answer is Rice Krispies, like, if you could eat nothing but Rice Krispies Krispies and get all your nutrition and shit, would you do that? Yeah. Yeah? So, okay, then that's definitely <laughs> your answer. What's yours? Mine might be pizza, which is a boring answer, but like... It's so true, though. 
so true bestie yeah like <laughs> i used to think that was too boring of an answer and i thought it was lame when people said it and i've grown up since and now i'm like <laughs> no pizza is that i've fucking matured yeah um yeah no i totally get you uh tell us what yours is leave that one down in the comments sorry yeah <laughs> I, just, I thought it might be funny to do that do the it wasn't it, okay That's pretty our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jay Dickinson, who's not here, but, uh, you know, usually is phoning in remotely. <laughs> Just to be clear, right. Jade hasn't been silently in this room the whole time. One day. That would be awesome. Waiting for the big reveal. Um, but uh, she is at Jade Sketches on Instagram. And with all that out of the way, uh, we're going to go rescue Mitch, I guess. That's our responsibility. So we can oh, do yeah, Dirty yeah, Rock's Counters, make sure he's here, yeah, for the good of the pod. Oh, um, they made another one?